Yesterday my dad had to go to the hospital for emergency. When I was driving I was praying that nothing was going to happen to him. It turns out that it was nothing serious. It got me thinking, what can we do to help our parents prepare for death and have a better rebirth or state? Can we do anything to help them even though they are not religious? But it comes back to, can you help anyone at all, really? Um, and uh, the answer is, you can, is, is only indirectly. You can provide people with information that they're already seeking. And you can prompt them when they already have good intentions. But it's like the old adage, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So, I mean, there's, there's no need for your father to be religious. Um, not in the sense of believing in anything. But the word religion doesn't just mean to believe in things. Religious, the, the word religious means to take something seriously. Right, we use it in, in secular life as well. He was dieting religiously, or he kept to his diet religiously, or so on. Um, you know, pe people who do things religiously means they take it seriously. So the point being that he, they need to have some realization or some knowledge of the severity of the situation that they're in, which is being unprepared for death. If if people don't realize the importance for preparing for death, then uh, it's it's quite a well it's quite a dangerous situation. The point is to first understand the the, the importance of it, and and then of course take the steps necessary to prepare for it. If the question was, how do I prepare for death, then there's a lot of tips that I can give. And, and of course, the best one is to practice lots of meditation. You can learn about, you, you can think about death and, and um, you know, spend some time considering the fact that you're going to have to die and, and preparing yourself for it mentally. There's a story of uh, the Bodhisattva in the time of the Buddha, uh, Bodhisattva in the time well before the Buddha, in one of the Jataka tales. It's the Uraga Jataka, I think. You know the Uraga Jataka? Uraga Jataka. It's a, a story of... Um, I think it's the Uraga Jataka. I may be wrong. Anyway, it's about a, the snake bites his son and, 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 uh, and the son dies immediately. But the Bodhisattva has been teaching his family about death and reminding them and so he always made sure that that every day they thought about it, they, they, they were aware of it, and they understood that they weren't going to live. So he was practicing mindfulness of death. It seems kind of morbid, I suppose. And it, it, it shouldn't be understood to have encompassed his life so that they were always standing around in, in fear of death. The point was to not be afraid of it, to understand or to bring ourselves out of this this conventional reality of being a human being and realizing this this state of being a human being is not going to last. Whether there's something after or before it or not, 
it's only a very small part of reality, a small part of the universe, a small part of the infinity of time. And so thinking about death, is it, it, it's a part of bringing yourself out of this. And so he did this, and when his son died, he looked over and saw his, his son was dead. And he called some, some guy was walking past the road, and so he called him and said, can you go tell my, my wife to just bring one lunch today? And he said, and tell her to, to bring, her bring our daughter, our daughter-in-law as well. And the servant, the maid or whatever, and come dressed in your best clothes. This is what he said, please tell my wife this. So the guy goes, goes to their house and tells his wife, and she knows, oh, my son is dead. She knows right away what, what, the, what the deal is. My son must have died. She puts on her best clothes, gets the whole family together, and takes them out with one lunch. So he, he sits down, eats his lunch, and then he says, look, my, our son died. We've got, to do a, we've got to have a funeral. And so they prepare the funeral for him. And suddenly up in heaven, Saka, the king of the angels, his throne gets hot. And you'll, you'll hear this a lot in the Jatakas and the Dhammapada. No. No, I think most of the Jatakas. When, in, when, when uh, Saka's throne gets hot, it means someone's threatening to dethrone him. It means someone's, someone's got some great uh, power of mind that, that might threaten him, and it means that he might, have to, he might be dethroned. So he says, who is it that's... He always looks down and says, who is it that's going to dethrone me? Who is it that's threatening me with this? But he's a good guy, and that's how he got to be become Saka. But he he always wants to test these people, and so he goes down, and he 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 puts himself in the form of a Brahmin, just a just a guy really, you know, a high class uh, fellow. And he walks up to them, and he sees them burning this. He looks at them burning their son. And he says, oh, look at you burning. You must be burning a beast or an enemy of some sort. And the Bodhisattva looks at him and says, no, we're burning my son. And he looks at him and he says, what do you mean? You're, how could this be your son? You're not crying. You're not upset. You're not, uh, you're not uh, grieving at all. He said, must have been a pretty poor son. And, and the Bodhisattva says, well, and he gives this, this very famous verse that... Uh, well, among Buddha, in Buddhist circles, maybe actually not so famous, a very profound verse anyway, whether it's famous or not, that, uh, that goes something like, uh, just, a, just as you can't, you can't, like don't cry over, basically, basically don't cry over spilt milk. He says, our tears won't bring, won't bring back something that is broken. And something like, uh, our, our cries won't bring the moon down from up above. And, and the verse after verse, he asks the, the man's wife, he asks the daughter, he says, this, this was your husband? He must have beaten you if, that you're not, you're not crying or you're not upset. And he said, women are, women are tenders. He says something like that. And women cry, you know. And, and, uh, and she says, not me. Uh, you know, I loved him, and I was—he 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 was, you know, a great man, and I was faithful, and he was faithful to me. But he's gone now. Oh, and the verses go something like, "He fares the way he has to tread." And so they didn't grieve at all. It's a fairly famous story. Not exactly what you're asking, but it does give you some idea as to how people prepare themselves. 
the what I always say the the whole idea of helping other people, of course, is just to point out how pro problem how troublesome it is, but uh, the best way to help people is to help yourself to make yourself a, an example, and not only to make yourself an example but to create the power of mind necessary to feed them good vibes you'll find even just by sitting in meditation or after you do insight meditation spend some time sending love to them sending your good thoughts wishing them to be happy happy wishing them to find peace and you'll find it's incredible how they respond to that just that that power of mind how they how it changes them and it changes their attitude towards you uh, it's interesting to find that the next time you talk to that person, they're just like ecstatic to hear from you and so happy to hear from you and so kind and 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 uh, you know just just well intentioned towards you. Uh, so the the, uh, the the power of our minds and the power of our intentions. Um, it's kind of like how theists will use prayer. They they set their mind on something and sometimes the the power can carry through or it it. Well, the point is it gives them the, the sets their mind in the right way. And then when they approach other people or so on, they will be kind and generous, and so good things will happen to them in return. Beyond that, I mean, you can, you can see what, what you can do. I mean, as I said, if he's not religious, and, and if that means that he's not, um, he's not concerned about death or he's not taking the time to prepare himself, then it might be quite difficult, but you know, you can you can you can give the prompt. You can prompt people if they have the goodness in them, or if they have what it takes in them to to realize the importance of such a thing. Uh, I mean, I'm obviously avoiding saying teach him meditation because it sounds like probably he's he's still far from that. But uh, you take baby steps, you know, and and. You, you're not living his life, so obviously you can't enlighten him. No one can. Um, but you can give him the prompt, and you can be an example, and you can be a support and a friend. That, that's really an important thing when people are dying, is to be a good support, to be someone who's stable. It calms people down, to be with them, and to not be crying and... and Moaning. My, when my grandmother was dying, what they did with her is they had her sing these songs. She would have pain, and horrible pain, and they had her sing songs and so on. And it was, it seemed kind of pathetic, pathetic really, because it wasn't helping the pain. It was just kind of helping her pretend that it wasn't there. Uh, but uh, I did some chanting for her, some, let her listen, and she, she quieted down. And during the time that I was chanting, I, I didn't know, at that time, it was a long time ago, I didn't know how to teach meditation, or else I would have had a lot more to say. Um, but, you know, being that stability for the pe for people and being a, uh, a reminder for them, because when your father is on, on death's door, or whatever, on, at his last moments, he's going to think about everything that happened in his life, and you will go through his mind as well, for sure. So... You, you, your job now is to make an impression on him. I mean, these are, these are the, the least that you can do. If you can get him to meditate, then by all means, that's that's wonderful. And this can often happen for people who have had strokes or who have had to go to the, had seizures or so on. 
they can become religious. They, they can see the, the, the importance because when you're in that position, your mind becomes focused and concentrated and you do start to remember things you've done, remember, reflect on your life and you, you feel bad about the things. People who have near-death experiences often change their lives as a result. Um, we'll, 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 they will realize that they only have so, so long and it could come to them at any time. The invincible um, ideas leaves them. So I hope that helps.